Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. As a preview of Landed US, we're going to talk to one of the major unicorns in the fintech space uh, called Plaid or Plaid, as I found out uh, from Keith, who is the head of the UK and international based in London. And uh, he can talk about Plaid ambitions and growth plans in the US and elsewhere. So I'm very keen to find out what's, uh, what's in store. So how are you today, Keith? I'm fine, Rudy. I'm here locked down in my London flat, but safe and healthy. So that's what counts these days. Exactly. So, but how are you planning world domination from your apartment in London? What's in store for play this year? Yeah, you know, I, I think once everyone got their feet under them with this new world, it's actually been a really exciting time for our business. With everyone being locked down, the explosion in online and mobile banking uh, has been really fascinating to watch and really important for the role that Plaid plays in the ecosystem. Being an open banking platform, we serve as a connection between banks and fintechs. So you have all of these people moving on to fintechs for the first time as they're locked down at home and looking to use an app to do something they might have gone into a bank branch to do. And we're uh, trying to help make those connections and make those services work uh, as all that volume scales. So it's actually been a really exciting time for us uh, here in Europe, but also uh, in the U.S., Canada, and where we're headed next as uh, as we start to see this explosion. I, I think the way I like to phrase it to people is we've seen five years of growth in the past five months, and I don't think that it's going to go back to how it was before when you come out of lockdown. I actually think a lot of these habits will stick. Right. So let's rewind a little bit and tell people about your key use cases and the target customers for Plaid or, or Plaid, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, Plaid is an open banking platform. So what that means is we serve a single API through which you can access a suite of endpoints that allow you to do things like import transaction data, connect and authenticate a bank account, uh, transfer funds uh, in the UK and Europe, all of this through a single connection. And so really, we're part of the infrastructure that's used to build really great applications and services in fintech. And today, we support more than 11,000 banks on our network and power more than 3,000 fintech applications, including 80% of the top fintech apps uh, in the US and Canada. And out of these, what are the key products and services that you're focusing on when expanding internationally? Or maybe let's also Zoom in, what is a home market for you and what is an international market? Yeah, it's interesting. I think international is a, is a big word. And because Plaid is headquartered in San Francisco, international in this case actually means Europe. But we really view Europe as a native market for us. So we've built a completely standalone vertical team focused on Europe. So we have our own engineering, product, go-to-market, everything in market. Um, so while we call it international from a structure perspective, it's definitely our own native market. And in terms of what the use cases are, I think it's easiest to think of some of the apps that we power and what the use cases are beneath that. So 
For example, if you're familiar uh, with Venmo in the US, which is a, a yeah. payment network, when you connect your bank account to do transfers from that bank account into Venmo withdrawals, it's actually Plaid that's powering that connection. So that's an example of our bank account authentication service and the use case for it. So we help a lot of account funding use cases in that sense. Another one would be personal financial management apps. So any budgeting app where you want to connect your checking account and the savings account, a different credit card account, and categorize those transactions and normalize them across all those different banks. Again, that's where Plaid's API is incredibly useful and we power most of the large PFMs uh, that folks know about. And similarly, on the BFM side or business financial management, for accounting platforms and folks where you used to go hand in your account statements printed out in paper or upload PDFs, if you actually just want to do automatic account linking and importing of transactions for accounting platforms, that's again where Plaid is super useful to connect across a swath uh, of accounts for a single business. So those are some examples of the types of use cases that we support. Um, but really, the easiest way to think about it is if you're connecting your bank account to a fintech application, Plaid is the easiest way to do that. Right. And uh, when I was asking about international, I, I also wanted to find out you know, what is sometimes an obvious use case uh, when people send money across the border, right? Within Europe, right. you have Eurozone, so that's uh, simple. But between UK and, uh, and Europe or Switzerland and other countries, uh, you know, how important is the Forex business for you? It's definitely important for us. So while we don't do Forex ourselves in that we don't have a bank account or hold funds for consumers, we can power either end of that. Um, and so we work with a lot of Forex providers to serve as both fraud checks, but also account funding use cases for both of them. And it's definitely been uh, a big source uh, of business and interest uh, as it has grown into such a huge channel uh, over the past decade as well. And, and to your point, another big use case that we serve exclusively actually in Europe is the transfer of funds via what's called payment initiation. So it's where you can actually use Plaid's API to push funds from your bank account into another bank account. And Plaid will issue those instructions uh, to the bank to do a bank transfer. So that's supported on both Faster Payments in the UK and SEPA in Europe as well. Obviously, you are a classic success story in terms of open banking or some people call it open finance. And uh, so how do you see your role in this sort of development, right? You benefit from PSD2, which is implemented in different, you know, different countries across Europe differently. I mean, how do you see your role taking on incumbents or uh, cooperating with them? Uh, definitely cooperating with them. The way we view ourselves is as a neutral platform and an infrastructure tool. So what we're most excited about is that any developer can come use us to build a great service. So that's how we've designed our APIs in the sense it's sort of similar to Stripe and very easy to integrate, very clear documentation, best in class developer experience. And so we want to support that developer, whether they're a traditional bank, a new fintech app, someone who's trying to do embedded financial services in a more traditional tech company, any of those, we just want to provide the best suite of tools for anyone because we think ultimately when you're supporting that level of competition, uh, at that point, then the best services are going to rise to the top and benefit consumers the most. And hopefully by powering uh, everyone, Plaid also sees the benefit from uh, the, the apps that actually take off uh, and do really well in the future. So we don't think of ourselves as competing or, or choosing winners. We think of ourselves as a suite of tools that anyone can come use to build great services. 
Great, great to hear, Keith. So what's the best way to find out more about what Plate can do for you if you're a prospective client or developer, as you said? Is there a demo that people can watch or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. They should go to plaid.com or plaid.co.uk. We have demos on the site there. We have easy ways for you to get free API keys and test out the product yourself. And we also walk through all of the use cases and some great customer examples. You can see how some of our actual applications out in the wild use Plaid for these different use cases. So we definitely invite everyone to go check out um, plaid.com and, and take a look through some of the product use cases there. I think it does a, a, a better job even than I can of laying out um, exactly how Plaid can be used because there's a whole wealth of services that we power. Great. Well, thank you, Keith, and uh, good luck to play. All right. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you for having me. Now we're joined by Jillian. Jillian is a partner at the new venture, which is called Moro Ventures and used to be called Santander Inno Ventures. And we're going to talk about their investment approach, the success stories, uh, what they're going to talk about and lend it, and uh, how you can find out more about uh, their venture. So, Hi, Jillian. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm all right. So first of all, congratulations on becoming a partner in the new venture. I asked you before, how do I pronounce it? Moro or Moro? So, you know, let's let people hear it from you first. Yeah. Uh, Moro Capital is the right pronunciation. All right. So you just announced it a couple of days ago. Yeah. What's the rationale for spinning off from Santander? Yeah. So we have been uh, Santander's corporate venture fund since 2014. And it's been, you know, a really successful partnership. You know, we've been pretty active. We have a portfolio of over 30 companies. But as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, there are some challenges that come with being so closely affiliated with a corporate or a bank, probably the biggest of which is that it can be a little challenging to move as quickly as you need to, to be really competitive for some early stage venture deals. And so... One of the reasons that we wanted to gain a little bit more independence was just to have full ownership over our own investment process and, and be able to move faster and be, be more competitive. And another piece is there are some early stage founders that don't necessarily want a bank's brand name on their cap table so early in the company's life cycle, especially if they're selling to other financial institutions. There can be some questions around, you know, is it really an arm's length partnership, et cetera. And so we just wanted to prevent any of those issues from, from coming up, which is the reason that we wanted to sort of rebrand and get some independence. But we're still, you know, maintaining a relationship with Santander and want to be able to bring to our entrepreneurs any of the, you know, scale and breadth that Santander has as a global financial institution and, and leverage any of those assets as it makes sense with our portfolio companies. Right. And uh, so what's your investment philosophy and approach and uh, how is it going to change? I mean, you said the governance, governance obviously, uh, is something that will change. But what about strategic alignment with uh, Santander's uh, strategic objectives? I guess that's not going to be relevant anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, it will still be relevant. I'd say our approach has actually been evolving quite consistently since the team was launched. And so about 18 months ago, um, we, we moved away from where we originally were, which was doing a lot of investments that were really closely aligned to Santander's near-term objectives. 
and where there were par- partnership opportunities in the near term. So things really focused on mm-hmm. payments, uh, lending, core banking. Over the last 18 months, I'd say we've expanded that quite a bit. And so we're going to continue with that expanded scope now under the Moro, Moro headline. And so, you know, we, we're investing in fintech still, but we define fintech basically as broadly as it can be defined. So we include in that insure tech, prop tech, reg tech. And then we're also investing in things that are sort of on the boundaries of fintech or where we think there can be potential to overlap with financial services at some point in the future. So that could be, you know, education, mobility. We've also been looking at enterprise software that's selling to large regulated entities such as banks. We've looked at IT software, HR software. So we really we really have quite a broad aperture in terms of our mandate. And then in terms of stage, that also has shifted a little bit since the spin out. We're relatively stage agnostic. We have a $400 million fund. Uh, we're writing checks up to $15 million for an initial check. But we, I think, are going to start looking maybe a little bit earlier than we have historically. So really looking at seed companies through growth. Right. And I'm quite curious, though, you said that you still aligned with Santander. On the other hand, the founders don't want to see the bank's name on the cap table. Mm-hmm. So are you now going to be majority owned by the partners or fully owned? And and also in terms of LP investors, are there Santander, the majority investor there or uh, or, or not? Yeah, so so it is a independent LPGP structure. The management company is owned by the partners. And then our sole LP is Santander. All right, understood. Okay, so next question I have for you is, what do you like most about your current role and, and why? I mean, now you're partner at the VC. Last few years, becoming a venture capitalist is is become as trendy as it gets mm-hmm. in finance. So, But in particular, what do you like about your role? Yeah, I think um, there's sort of two sides to that, right? So one is, what do I like? about being a venture investor. And the other is what do I like specifically about Moro? Right. So I think, I mean, being a venture investor, I'm sure you've heard this answer before, because I think it's probably universally the thing that people like the most, but is just the exposure you get to entrepreneurs who are so passionate about what they're building and and so deeply knowledgeable about their sort of slice of the world. Um, And so the fact that I get to talk to you know, half a dozen of them every day is super energizing. And, and, you know, at the end of the workday every day, I feel like I know so much more than when I woke up that day. And so that I, I really love that. And then I, I think the other piece of it is what makes Moro unique. And so part of that, you know, when I chose to join the fund, I knew that the spin out was coming. And I thought that would be a very unique opportunity for me as an investor to be able to be involved with you know, a rebranding um, and and basically a launch of a new fund and sort of have a say in the investment strategy and the hiring strategy and all of that. And so that's been, you know, a very exciting thing to be a part of. And then I think the thing that also really sets us apart is our team. So our team is really international. We have people across three different offices in, in Europe and the US. And it's a really diverse team of people who have been investing for you know a decade or more, people who have founded fintech companies, sold those companies, been operators, have worked in financial institutions. And so 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's what really sets us apart and, and what makes me enjoy my job every day. All right. So let's brag about it a bit more. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit uh, about your success stories, whether you exited or, or not, but what are the kind of portfolio companies that you're most proud of? Yeah. One of them that I know our team's really proud of was a bit before my time, but um, a company called iZettle, which is basically this, people call it the square of Europe. That company sold to PayPal about a year, two years ago now. And they're, you know, still still working really hard to provide solutions to SMBs, help them digitize. Um, they've been really active in during COVID. And so we're we're proud of that one. Another one that's, you know, been really supportive of SMBs and has been in the news a lot recently is Cabbage, which as you may have seen, is getting acquired by American Express. Cabbage was really unique when it was founded. They provide SMBs loans which has historically been a pretty underserved market within traditional banks, largely because of the costs associated with providing such small loans. It's, it's a segment that a lot of banks choose not to participate in. And Cabbage has really you know, embedded a lot of AI, machine learning, leveraging alternative data sources to be able to do it um, in a cost-efficient and time-efficient manner. Right. And and they really stepped up during COVID as well. They issued about $7 billion worth of loans. I think they were the second most active lender for PPP loans. And I think, you know, Amex recognized the value that they provide to small businesses. And hopefully the pair, the pairing of those two will really be able to help distribute Cabbage's solutions throughout Amex's distribution network. And so we, we're really excited about that as well. All right. Great, great stuff. And um, I heard that you're going to be on the jury for Landed Awards. So what are the Landed Awards about? And uh, what's your uh, what's your ambition uh, or expectations regarding these? Yeah, so um, there are a handful of different categories uh, that that we're going to be judging to give out awards for. There's, I can name a couple of them. One's FinTech Innovator of the Year, Partnership of the Year, FinTech Woman of the Year. And, you know, I'm just really excited to be able to see all the nominees and uh, hopefully give it to the most deserving parties. And then I'll also give a quick plug. Uh, my colleague, Chris Gottschalk, is also going to be speaking during Lendit. He's going to be interviewing one of our portfolio company CEOs. Renaud Laplanche, who is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Upgrade. So that should be a really interesting session as well. Great. Well, looking forward. And uh, one more thing, uh, where do people find out more about you and what kind of parties would be most relevant for you? Would that be startup founders or are you now going to look for other LP partners or are you now going on the hiring spree? Whatever that is, tell us. Yeah. So always looking to talk to startup founders. You can check out our, our new website, um, Moro Capital, M-O-U-R-O, capital.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, over email. And then, yeah, I mean, we're also looking to connect with other VCs and we will be hiring. Right now, we're mostly looking to add to our partnerships team, which is sort of an internal BD team to help connect our portfolio companies within Santander and potentially other financial institutions as well. Um, and then I think we'll look to expand the investment team 
at some point in the future too. So um, always looking to get in touch with interested parties. Great. Well, thank you very much and uh, good luck tomorrow, Capital and Julia. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. In this segment, we're going to talk to Sean, who is the CIO of Oak North, and we're going to talk about what does that mean lending to the missing middle and why it makes sense for Oak North to share their platform and their technology with other banks. So welcome, Sean. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me. Sean, so you are a CIO at Oak North. What does that mean? What does your role entail? So, so the I in, in my title, I think, is information. Although actually on my contract, it just says CIO, so it doesn't say what it stands for. But, but uh, I think it's Chief Information Officer. So theoretically, um, I'm responsible for, a normal CIO is responsible for all of the uh, information systems at an organization and you know things like software development and so on. However, in actual practice, um, my role has evolved tremendously since the platform was set up. And at the moment, my main focus is on our most important strategic clients, on helping people pre-sales, understanding what's needed in order to get their bank onto our platform and so on, working with our product team to make sure we build the right software for our clients. And then also, um, you know, I also do a lot of external speaking engagements and outreach and things like that. And, and then also some of the big investor and sort of strategic partnership uh, conversations that we have. All right, great. So as I started, you know, uh, your mantra or your slogan is that you focus on lending to the missing middle. So what does that mean? Can you tell us and explain and why you also focus on this particular segment? Sure. So what we mean by the missing middle, growth businesses, other people call them scale-up businesses and so on. And we have focus on these because they have the largest multiplier effect in communities and economies on job creation, GDP growth, productivity, et cetera. And they're definitely the businesses that, you know, when the recovery comes, that's where, you know, countries are going to be looking uh, to these missing middle businesses for the recovery. And we call them the missing middle because in spite of major advances in technology that have changed almost everything about banking and financial services, how banks lend to this type of business hasn't really changed for decades. It's been a blind spot uh, for banks, these kinds of businesses. And most of the tech investment has been at the retail end or the very small business end of lending. And so there's now a huge gap in the market for these types of businesses. And by our estimate, the funding gap for this type of business is between $1.3 and $1.5 trillion per year. There is Oak North Platform and Oak North Bank. Can you explain the difference in your words and also, why have you decided to do this and uh, license your, what it is, a credit, uh, unique credit scoring methodology, right? And uh, share it with the others. Why does that make sense to you? Yeah, sure. So Oak North is one business globally. And, you know, we created a credit science platform and we're dedicated to creating a better borrowing experience for these businesses in the missing middle. Um, we monetize this in two ways. Outside the UK, by licensing the platform we've developed to banks so that they can do this better. And in the UK, we use it ourselves to do direct lending um, as a fully licensed UK bank, and that's Oak, Oak North Bank. Um, this way, it, we're able to bring the benefits of our experience as a UK bank um, to our partners, and we can develop and iterate the platform faster and create a better product for our bank partners around the world. You know, because we've 
actually being through the same things as them. We've got a real bank. We deal with a real regulator and all those things. Um, we're working with about two dozen banks globally. Uh, the ones that we're able to name in the U.S. is a PNC, which is uh, you know a top ten bank in the U.S. A Customers Bank, which is a, a community bank, and Modern Bank, which is a, a bank in in Manhattan, focused on uh, you know lending to exactly this segment. In Europe, we work with uh, the Dutch lender NIBC Bank and a new commercial real estate lender that they set up called Oimio. And then obviously there's Oak North Bank in the UK. And then there's a few other banks elsewhere in Europe and Asia and Australasia and also in the US who we're not able to name, but we are working with them. Right, I see. So Oak North will be represented at Landed USA, right? So what are your priorities regarding the United States versus the UK or Europe? Yeah, so within the UK, we're really focused on continuing to support strong businesses. Obviously, this is a very difficult time for SMEs and entrepreneurs, and we're dedicated to supporting them through this time and looking for good businesses that we can help with debt finance. Our lending pipeline is very strong, and we've continued to lend through the crisis, so about £150 million in new loans every month since March. So all through the crisis, we've continued to lend. Outside the UK, our core focus in the movement is working with lenders in the US, Canada, Australia, Germany, Austria, and the Netherlands. Right. And uh, what are your goals in the United States? I mean, apart from obviously signing up more banks, I guess. Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it's a very large market, both in terms of the number of banks and in terms of the number of opportunities for funding, you know, the number of entre- entrepreneurs and growth businesses who need funding. So our goal is really to use our credit science platform to to help. Now, there's two real things that we are able to do in the US that are that are quite distinct. So the first thing is, at the moment, during this crisis, banks need information about how their portfolio is doing. Obviously, all the assumptions that went into their underwriting process no longer are true because of the crisis. And so we're able to help banks by, um, you know, explaining essentially what their portfolio is doing and, and enabling them to segment it take different strategic actions with different parts of their portfolio. That's the main goal. And then on an ongoing basis, obviously, we're looking to support our existing clients, grow our reach, both in terms of the number of clients and the assets on the platform. But we think, you know, there's a huge opportunity set in the US. What do I need to do if I'm a small, medium enterprise or a business and I'd like to apply for a loan with you? And conversely, if I'd like to save with Oak North Bank, for example, in the UK, and uh, that goes probably for your other bank partners in the United States. How does that work? Yeah, sure. So as a lender, we focus specifically on loan sizes from about half a million pounds up to 45 million pounds. So if you're looking, you've got a small business and you're looking for a loan, uh, we don't do loans to people, so we don't do retail finance at all. But if you've got a small business that's looking for a loan to grow, um, you know, please get in touch with our business development team. We have an email address, which is bizdevelopment at bizdevelopment at oaknorth.com. And um, that's kind of how we triage things. And basically the way it works is one of our debt finance directors would be in touch personally, um, go through, try to understand your business and try to figure out what's the right debt finance package. And that's that's how we approach lending. Uh, for people who want to save with us, um, we have all kinds of savings products we offer them all through our website, which is oaknorth.co.uk. And you can, open, you can open and fund an account directly through the website or via the app. For banks, on our platform, our website is oaknorth.com. And obviously, depending on the partner bank, 
um, you know, so in the US uh, for PNC or whatever, you would need to apply uh, if you've got a business to PNC, and then they would use our platform to do the credit analysis and hopefully give you a loan. Great. Well, thank you, Sean, and uh, good luck to Oak North. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, it's a very exciting time for us, and we're looking forward to the next couple of years. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.